Monumental Sports and Entertainment, along with PressBox, presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at StanTheFan. Now sit back and enjoy the Bat Around. Guys, take it away. And from the live casino hotel studios, it is time for the bat around. Stan the fan, along with uh, his partner in crime, Craig Heiss. That's it. This is my last week, my last show. Why? Well, somebody's decided that she wants nothing to do with us anymore. Right. Since she's got this new job. Right. And uh, I've decided I don't want to work unless Brittany's working. Well, I can understand that. Right. I can understand that. Then I'll trudge ahead with Ryan. Okay? All right. Okay, go ahead. All right. Ryan is uh, in... What's Ryan's last name? Are we allowed to Do know you want that? to introduce yourself? I'm Ryan McGettigan. I'm a junior at Towson University. McGettigan? McGettigan. Mc- Very Irish. M-C-G. G. Gettigan. McGettigan. All right. Nice to meet you, Ryan. He looks like he'll last about three weeks. Three weeks with us. Are you kidding? <laughs> well, amazingly, Brittany Everett has survived the first full week of employment at Maroon PR. Two yeah, weeks, and now actually. Two weeks. Yes, two, two weeks in the by. books. Two weeks in the books. I owe you $50. You owe me said, $50. Yep, That's yep. the first thing. Yep. Second thing is, two weeks in the books, and she decides, I can't do this anymore. I need weekends off. Well, like, what are your priorities in life? Yeah, our priority is not to be with us. us. (laughs) Right, exactly. The free breakfast, the free lunch, you know, they're all out the window. Yeah. That you just keep offering that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) All right. Well, anyway, we wish you uh, nothing but the best. Is this your last week? I will be here next weekend as well. Perfect. Okay. So I'm I'm sorry. Two weeks I'm gone. She's going out out with a swan song. All right. She's going to be here. No. She, I knew that she wouldn't leave us in the lurch, you know, and uh-huh. just toss the baton to Kyle Ottenheimer. Oh, you know, yeah. Well, so yeah. So he'd be here seven or days Or like Bonza did with her. Right, right? Exactly. exactly. Yeah, throw her to the wolves. Right. We've got a full show today, and we hope you will, uh, uh, if you've joined us on Facebook Live, we hope you will like us and share us, all right, because that's the way we do things around here at the Live Casino Hotel Studios, Craig, right? Exactly, Stan. All right. Anyway, uh, the show is full of guests, uh, replete with knowledge about the national pastime. Todd Karpovich, our Orioles beat writer, uh, also covers uh, a lot of local lacrosse, so we'll find out what's going on about a week out from the NCAA selections. We'll find out who he thinks is going to make it and who's not going to make it. Todd Karpovich joins us at 1020. Mike Shallon from the New Hampshire Union Leader joins us at 1045. I wanted to get – I had two openings, and I was afraid I couldn't reach Latson, so I wanted to make sure I had one of them filled. So I got Latson, and then I said, oh, wait a minute, I can text Bill Latson. So, I mean, I you got Shallon. Text him or call him? or I tried to call him a couple times mm-hmm. and uh, wasn't getting a response. But then I texted him, and he said 1135 is great. So uh, Bill Latson of MLB.com will join us at 1135. They're two friends of the program, uh, Shallon and Latson. 
Uh, it's interesting how they're never seen together, Mike Shallon and Bill Latson. You well, know, one's in Boston, one's in New York. Right. One's white, one's black. Okay. You know, what's that got to do with anything? I don't know. Just saying, they're never like Superman and Clark Kent. They're mm-hmm. never. You never see them together. Yeah. Batman and Robin. Right. Yeah. No. Well, Batman they, and they Robin are two different people. You yeah, did, but they would be Batman and see. Robin if they were together. That's true. Yes, That's there true. You go. All right. Uh, an old friend of ours who always will bring a smile to your face and my face because of something that he he only tangentially had something to do with. That is our friend Mike Devereaux, whose home run back at Memorial Stadium in what nineteen eighty nine. Was it uh, yeah, it was 89. It was the why not year, I do right. believe. Yeah, Right. Uh, led to an incredible uh, battle with uh, Doug, uh, Rader Doug Rader. The, and uh, and do, you remember, do we remember who the umpire was? California Angels. I do not remember who the umpire yeah. was. Maybe Devo will know. Maybe Devo okay. will know, yeah. But anyway, Doug Rader, Mike Devereaux hit a game-winning home, a home run on Saturday night, I think it was. Yeah. I was not at the ballpark. I think I was away, like out in – California or something like that. But anyway, heard that he hit the home run, found out that the next next day at the plate when the umpires are handing the lineup cards, Doug Rader, the manager of the Angels, who had argued for about 10 minutes at the it, game. It took them at least 10 minutes to get him off the field after that game ended. On Saturday night because it was night. a game-winning home run. Was it in, like, the extra innings? It was, uh, like I think it was innings? the 11th inning or yeah. something like that. But the ball goes down the third baseline for those who visualize Memorial Stadium. Yep. Right down by the foul pole. And it was at about mezzanine level. And a little difficult for the third base umpire to see whether or not the ball was fair or foul. Right. It was ruled fair. Orioles won the game, uh, and big celebration at home plate. And the next day, the lineup cards are exchanged at the plate, and uh, Raider hands the card to, to the home plate umpire, and there is uh, something written on the uh, lineup card, which immediately got Doug Raider tossed from classic. the game that was about to start. Right. What a classic. Yeah. And uh, it had to do with Frank Robinson yes. and uh, male genitalia. And favors. <laughs> That's a better anyway, way. It's a cla- it's a classic. Uh, and I've, I've never really asked Devo about, <gasps> was he, was he, does he remember how funny that was the next day? Because well, that Doug Rader, that is one of the classic moments in all of baseball. Yes, it is. Yes. And- well, Mike De- no, Doug Rader is not joining us. Mike Devereaux is going to join those, us. He's- those are those are kind of things you remember and put in the memory bank. That kind of argument <laughs> with what ensued the next day. Uh, Frank's, uh, I'm sorry, Earl Weaver's argument with Bill Haller. Right. When Channel Nine in D.C. was doing a piece on umpires and they had Bill Haller mic'd, and that turned out to be one of the you know, funniest m- pieces. The late of video. Mike Flanagan, God rest his soul, he used to say, "That's a." Probably the best three and a half minutes of video I'll ever <laughs> see in my life. That was a great one, and uh, Frank no longer with us, and of course Earl Weaver no longer not longer with us, and uh, nor is uh, Mike Flanagan. Sadly, uh, Mike Devereaux though he's the batting coach for the Cincinnati Reds A ball affiliate, the Dayton Dragons, right. and he will join us uh, from the road out there. Joining us from uh, his home in like just outside of Lincoln, Nebraska, is Matt Zells of Fantasy Alarm, and we're going to talk to him about some uh, big-time prospects that he's writing about. Uh, These are players that might get called up, and in the case of the Angels, they just did call up a rookie pitcher, 
Griffin Canning mm-hmm. uh, is making his uh, debut over the next few days. Then at 11.35, Bill Latson will join us. So we got a busy show, and uh, we'll get started. I um, turned the tables on him so so well the other night. Latson? Whenever the Yankees are losing, which right. happened a lot before they had this little six-game winning streak. Right. And then they lost the finale. I think they've won like nine out of 11, 11 games right. with 13 men on the uh, DL. And which goes to prove that it's a long season, and if you have a little bit of depth, you can survive. And they have a little bit of depth. Okay. But anyway, Latson always, you know, the Yankees are losing, and I blame you. you know, uh, Aaron Judge is on the DL, and I blame you. Angels come up with a five-run seventh inning the other night, and I'm watching the game on the MLB Network, right. and I typed in, the Angels are just winning over the Yankees, and I thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and what did he say back to you? Uh, I can't repeat Expletive, it here. Yeah. Something like uh, Frank Robinson <clears throat> Frank, and Doug yeah, Radar. Some, something like that, yeah. All right. Well, anyway, you were out at Nats Park last night, and the Nats seemed to find a way to lose a lot of ball games right now. They're under 500. Uh, I believe right now Davey Martinez's record for his year in a month is ab- absolutely at 500. I mm-hmm. think he's 93 yeah, well, they were two, and 93. Uh, they were two over last year to end the year, and so they're, they're two, two under. under right now. So he's 500. Yeah, but the good part about that is if you if you have a silver lining to it, uh, you know, you're uh, 25 games into it. Mm-hmm. You also realize that you're in a division where you, the, the the four teams at the top of the division, yourselves included, are separated by no more than a game and a half and a game in the loss column. That's so, certainly the good side of it. But yeah. when when does this team start to find ways to win ball games instead well, of losing? Well, I ball mean games? that that has to be the the key. And yeah. you know the the bottom line is the majority of the issue is with the bullpen. I mean, Max Scherzer was pretty much Max Scherzer last night. Two runs, four hits over seven innings, strikes out 10, gets his 25th hundred strikeout, 35th player to do that. And uh, Kyle Bearclaw comes out and starts the eighth inning and immediately walks the leadoff hitter. Right. And that's the uh, – the. Uh, it seemed like and, I was watching – I was watching those three batters that he pitched to in the eighth mm-hmm. inning, which was one was a, a walk, one was an out, and right. one was a base hit. It seemed like those three batters were up for about 10 minutes. Right. And a lot of pitches. He was like a 22 or 25 pitches, something like that. Uh, and, and so they take the lead, 3-2, to two, and then Carter Keyboom. And take the lead on a pass ball, correct? On, on by a pass Jan ball Gomes. by Jan okay. Gomes. Which, in his defense, that was a tough pitch because the ball was moving, uh, probably not where he thought it was going. So I can I can blame Gomes for that. But to his credit, he came right in the dugout and said, you know, it's on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then again, they get out of the inning. Uh, Wander Suero comes in and gets out of the inning. And then uh, in the bottom of the eighth inning, Carter Keyboom hits a home run to tie the ball game. Yep. The, the thing that I have the most issue with last night is for as good and for as much as I love Sean Doolittle, he throws a changeup right. with one out. To Hunter Renfro. To Hunter Renfro to hit the home run. And here's a guy that throws probably 80 to 85% fastball. So in that situation, in the tie game, you're trying to get your team to the bottom of the ninth inning with a chance to win it. How do you not get beat on your best pitch? You know? I mean, if you're going you're gonna to yep. get beat, go yeah, down, right, go down right. with your best stuff. Yeah. 
It seemed a, an odd pitch. I guess they thought they had him. He yeah. thought he had him set up where he'd fool him, and Hunter Renfro hung hung back on it and sort of lurched out. Lurched and, out, and yeah, you know. snapped his wrists. And, and there was a pretty good breeze blowing yeah. last night uh, at Nats Park. It had subsided by that time, but still, I mean, with the swing being what it was, to get it out to that part of the ballpark, uh, that was pretty impressive how, on Renfro's part. How energetic was it in the bottom of the ninth? Because it looked like they were going to, after all that well, went wrong, it looked like they were going to pull it well, out. They and, really had Kirby Yates on the ropes. A, and what a cruel game this can be. Right. Because uh, here's Carter Keyboom. He's over two. He homers then. Right. Uh, his first major league hit in is, the a, in a, right, is a homer. And then... He finds himself in the ninth up there with the bases loaded and two, and two out. outs. Yeah, right. yeah, and struck out and on a and and you know it's funny because he's a he really looks like he's a pretty calm, cool, oh, yeah. and collected. Oh, guy. his numbers his numbers at Fresno were off the chart. Three seventy nine, yeah. three homers, eighteen RBIs, sixteen walks. Right. So he's got a good eye. But Kirby Yates, um, I got to be honest with you, I've seen Kirby Yates pitch, but that was the first time I really watched him. He gets by with virtually all junk pretty much yeah. and here's a guy who's resurrected himself with the Padres he's now 13 for 13 in save opportunities and situations but here's a guy that's been released twice right you know and he's just all of a sudden found himself with the yeah. Padres and, and he's doing a great job and he's certainly in the early part of the year one of the big stories in the National League and surprise stories no question about it did you get a, to spend a moment with uh, Manny Machado I did not I was planning on doing that today okay but uh, I have to get out of here and get down there earlier all right uh what kind of crowd did they have down in Nats Park last uh, night? 26 like? I yeah. think it was yeah that's pretty much they average between 26 and 30 it seems like down somewhere there. in every yeah. yeah a little more on the weekends all right I know it's been a couple nights since uh, the caps uh, were beaten by uh, the Carolina Hurricanes and then the uh, Hurricanes turn around and win in overtime one nothing against the in, Islanders in Brooklyn last night yeah. against the Islanders and uh, it's amazing because here, here after playing an overtime game, uh, almost you know, not quite two overtime periods, but mm -hmm. you know, they played a lot of hockey back you know on Wednesday night, and then to turn around with just one day off and go in and beat the Islanders, who took out uh, the Pens in four straight games, right. that was a big deal. Yeah, I think the Islanders will turn it around. Uh, I'm expecting so. Look, I, I I wasn't busting your chops. I saw something, and again, it was three, four minutes that I had the TV on in the background the night before when they had that 2 nothing lead. There was just something about the, uh, the Hurricanes' energy level with the Caps having a chance to put them away, and they had the lead, and it looked like they weren't even skating with Carolina. And Carolina came well, back, won that game, and then they came back again in Game 7. Well, I disagree with the assessment for the first two periods because... Uh, well, I didn't the, see the first two periods. The, I Caps, saw one of, the Caps got off 2 nothing. Right. Uh, Carolina scored, but then the Caps answered right back and went up 3-1. It was from that point on where you can say, yeah, a little bit of tiredness set in. I know in the overtime periods, they got outshot 18-6. to Holpe stood on his head in the first overtime period. Right. And, and really, quite frankly, they were lucky that they didn't lose it in the first overtime period. Agreed. Uh, but, but at that point, like I said in hockey, you got to be good, but you also have to be lucky. At that point, 
the Caps are just looking for a bounce of some kind, yeah. and they never got the bounce. Nope, never got the bounce. <clears throat> what? Uh, just thirty seconds or so. What do you think they do? They need to do much to be back in the picture next year. No, not at all. As long as you have, you have Backstrom, you have uh, Ovi. You know they'll they'll like to resign Holtby and get him back. And I'm thinking thinking they'll probably will. But the core of that team is together. I mean, there's no reason. Unless, you know, Ted decides something is wrong with the head coaching uh, switch from Trotz to right. to Reardon. But I don't see that. I mean, you know, this is a team that rebounded and played so great in the second half after, if you'll remember, losing seven straight right before the All-Star break. Right. So, I mean, I, I think it'll be pretty much the same type of team. A couple tweaks here and there. What did you think of the coach, Reardon? Reardon just he's, – he's not as he, – he's a very mellow guy. He uh, – Runs a similar system to Barry. It's a lot of structure. I think you've seen Ovi become an all-around player probably more in the last four mm-hmm. or five years. You know, I mean, think about that pass to Backstrom for the second goal in, in, in that game on Wednesday night. It's just cr- it was incredible. So, I mean, I think all of the right things are there. It's just a matter of getting it done in the playoffs again for him. Is their loss, uh, in the words of Bill Latson, your fault? No. Okay. All right. I had nothing to do with it. Yeah. All right. He's Craig Heist. I'm Stan the Fan. We're going to be joined momentarily by Todd Karpovich. Uh, did you have the Oriole game on the on your uh... – I was watching bits and pieces of it during the Nats game, and I know that there were uh, – they had a lot of trouble keeping the ball in the ballpark last night, five home runs again. And, well, I wouldn't uh, say they. I'd say one, per- well, one Alex person, Cobb, Alex yeah. Cobb. Uh, his ball, i got to be honest with you – there is his split finger. There's no drop to it. It just yeah, it, it just, just hangs laying there and laying there. Yeah. there. Because I'd say three of the four were probably hit off of that. And, but and our good buddy hit. Steve Molesky wrote a column right before he was ready to come off the IL. Right. You know, is that you know he was really, really hoping that the split would come back and that would be an effective pitch for him. But the other thing that I had a problem with was Cobb saying, "Well, you know, I'm 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 ready to come back. I'm not quite a hundred percent yet." Well. In a season where you don't expect to win, right, and you're trying to, and I think the Orioles' thinking is this, try to get some of your top-tier guys performing well, especially your veteran guys, so there's trade possibilities coming yeah, in. Why would you come send the end of why July? Would you send why would you out right if they're not 100? percent I don't right, get it. Right. I mean, what's the difference between now and maybe two or three weeks down the line? Right. Yeah, I thought uh, and and listen, Cobb. I'm not going to sit here and say he pitched a good game. He gave up five runs. Yeah, four of them earned on home runs. Rickard made a goofy error uh, in the third or fourth inning. I got my score sheet here, but um, I, he pitched he pitched okay, other than the four home runs. Right. But I mean, you know, they didn't tattoo the ball. Uh, but boy, that that pitch is just hanging up there right now. Well, it's something he's got to work his way through. Now, one of the good, the bright spots was that Gabriel and Noah, who Dan Duquette picked up a couple of years back and suffered through a lot of injuries last year, uh, but he's been in the organization a couple of years. He uh, gave up one home run, a uh, second home run of the night to Nelson Cruz to right field. But other than that, for three and a third innings, he pretty much held. Held the fort down. And I can hear our friend Nick Triantophilos right now going, 
Yeah, we couldn't have kept Nelson Cruz. Good. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Nick Triantopoulos, our friend at the Costas Inn. All right, we've got Todd Karpovich on with us. And, Todd, uh, we know you're a press box beat writer. You're not traveling with the team. You're not obligated to watch every pitch of every game like most beat writers. But did you find yourself at the TV screen last night? Uh, I did. I was flipping between that and the NFL draft. Right. Ravens. Busy weekend. Yeah. Busy now, how hard weekend. was it? How hard was it to turn away from the Orioles game in that first top uh, bottom half of the first inning after two men were out? Did you see the damage done? Three home runs well, in a row. Alex Kyle can't bring the baseballs anymore, can he? He's a whiz. Uh, he's leaving some pitches up. Yeah. And it gets Minnesota. They, I mean, they they did their homework on him, and they, they've gotten to him the last two times. It's a situation where, and I said, just said this to Stan, you know, you think about him coming off the IL and he says, well, you know, I'm ready to go. I think I can help the team, but I'm not quite 100%. Well, in a year where you're not expected to win and you're trying to, at least with your veteran guys, and I think him and Kashner and uh, maybe a couple others fit into that category, to try to trade them at the deadline to get even more pieces during a rebuild, wouldn't you want him at 100% to go out there and pitch at his optimum efficiency level as opposed to – because, I mean, what's the difference between coming back now and maybe two, three weeks from now? Exactly. You know, why rush him back? He's, he's not effective. You know, there's, he's not 100% there. I mean, you can tell. He's just giving up – He's giving up way too many home runs. You know, he's, 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 and he is a guy who prides himself on command. And he admitted, you know, uh, last night that his, his command's not all there. Um, and they have some options, you know. And, um, David Hess, they moved David Hess to the bullpen. But, he, he you know, he's had, he's had some good moments there where, you know, he maybe get another opportunity. And then, of course, Means has emerged as a, as a, as a guy who's, who's pitching really well. So, yeah, they have options. And I, I agree with you. I don't see the point in – Rushing him back if he's not going to be effective. Well, and, and, you you know, and again, you're right. He's going to be. He's one of those guys that would be, if he pitches well, a pretty good trade chip at the, at the deadline. Right, and, and if really, you, I don't know what his value is right now. Todd, do we do we know between his stint on the IL and his appearance last week against Minnesota? Did he actually go down to Sarasota and throw an extended game or or? Or simulated game in Sarasota. He threw. He actually threw um, between starts. He threw a simulated game at Camden Yards okay. instead of doing his bullpen session. So he's put the work in. I, I don't know if he he did a full Sarasota um, simulated game down there, but he, he needed another simulated game between when he was active on the roster, which is rare. Right. Uh, we were down there. You know, I, I think it was what day. Well, I think it was Wednesday. We had gotten down there early, and he was already out there throwing. You know, hour and a half or two hours before batting practice in, the, in a, you know, in a simulated game. And um, Brandon Hyde said he just wanted to have that. He wanted a hitter up there to get a feeling of throwing. So right, right away, when, when a pitcher needs to do that or asked to do that, you know, he's not. He's just not comfortable where he is. So, gotta, so my, I guess I guess I get back to my question. I remember when they signed him last year. There was talk that he was going to go to Norfolk or Bowie, and then something about the baseballs. And he didn't end up going, you know, that he didn't like that the balls were different. At the minor league level, yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. again, this year, uh, it, seemed, it seemed, because this is not a guy who had built up, Craig, 
this is not a guy who had built up to any great innings in spring training. He pitched right. very infrequently down there. Uh, and then he had that one start against the Yankees, five and a third. He leaves that game and goes on the IL. And then his next appearance, real appearance, is back in the major leagues two and a half weeks later. It just seems like uh, it's sort of the dog, uh, you know, uh, the – the um, what am I trying to say? The uh, – uh, where somebody else is in charge, you know. Uh, you know, in other words, it seems like the Orioles aren't in charge of how to determine how to get him ready. It's his determination that, ah, I don't want to go down to Norfolk because the balls are different. Yeah, I guess he's a veteran. They, they, um, they kind of, they kind of, um, you know, doubt about what he says. But again, he just he was complaining about the baseballs the last time they played Minnesota when he said he was saying there were home runs league wide because you know he questioned whether the baseballs were being uh, put together the same way. Right, right. And of course, Brandon Hyde dismissed that. Right. Um, you know, saying he didn't know the science of it, but um, well, I know, mean, the manager's right to deflect that by saying, "Look, we're." Both sides are playing with the same baseball, you know. Yeah, exactly. And you know, he even pitches up. But again, you know, <laughs> funny how that works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and one well, I mean, there's a story today that um, as of last night, there were 979 home runs across uh, the league, and it's 116 more at the same time last year. That's a lot of home runs. Earlier so, in the week, it was there were 226 uh, above last year, like Monday yeah. or Tuesday. Uh, so maybe they caught up a little bit. We're talking so with is Todd. It pitch, is it pitching that bad, or is it? Or is it, or is it I, I don't know. Problem? We're talking with Todd Karpovich. I think he may have answered your own question. <laughs> we're, we're talking to Todd Karpovich about the Orioles' latest defeat in uh, Minnesota, and uh, you know, listen, we all know what we're dealing with, but by the same token. Uh, this team is certainly – the Twins are not world beaters, and we've now lost four in a row to them this year, and I think ten in a row dating back to last year. Um, the one bright spot you get out of last night's game is the performance of Enoa. Uh, finally, one of these guys brought up to give them some length in the bullpen did just that. Yeah, I believe three, three and a third inning with the uh, four hits, uh, one, or one run, one strikeout. Yeah, you know he's pitching to a one six nine ERA. He, he he definitely gave them a, um, you know he's giving them a little boost. I thought Castro pitched okay. You know he's finally I think starting to find his legs. And of course Mancini, you know he's on the tear. You know um, he's, he's looking at probably you know he's putting up all star numbers. So there were there were few bright spots last night. But again, you know Minnesota's really just had their number so far. Two ten uh, this afternoon is the game time. They're on Masson two, I believe. Uh, yeah, I believe they're really? on Masson two. Yeah, I think they're all the, these games are on Masson two. All six games of the road trip, the Orioles are on Masson two. And yeah, I, I, you're that. right. I don't understand why they. And you, they well, start usually what happens is starts early. Earlier gets Masson one, right? But they're on Masson two. Um, yeah. And today's game, it's Dan Straley versus uh, Jose Barrios. Uh, certainly not a pitching matchup that on paper uh, would favor the Orioles. No, Barrios pitched well against them last week. And the Orioles are getting the same, the same sort of theme they saw last week in Baltimore. And it's, I don't know how well it's going to work out for them. Um, but again, Dan Straley's another guy. You know, he's, he's, he's got an 8.59 ERA, which is it's, it's coming down at least. So hopefully, you know, he's starting to get his legs under him. You know, after he sort of, you know, he had some time off between spring training and getting signed and he needs some innings, you know. And, again, back to Alex Cobb, too. You know, he's sort of a 
notorious slow starter, but you said he had that one good start. So, I mean, the hope is you know, he, he comes around too. Well, well that, the, that, one, the, that one good start was the game opening day at Camden Yards, and they had the lead, I think, of three to nothing. And by the time he left the game, I don't think they had the lead. So, I mean, it was an it was an okay start. It was an okay yeah. start. Craig, you were getting no. Ready I was going to say part of the ERA uh, for uh, for him for Straley it has to come from that first start. You know, yeah, so, yeah when he got crushed. Yeah. Actually, and that first uh, that first appearance, appearance when he right. came in in the, in relief. In the bullpen. Yeah. And uh, really had to suck one up for the team. Uh, tomorrow yeah. it's Bundy, and why am I drawing a blank on who the Twins are starting? Uh, I don't think it's Pineda, and I don't think it's Odorazzi. So who's their other starting pitcher? Uh, Let me, uh, you got it handy? I got it. Take a look now. Wait a minute. I actually have it here in my bag. It's uh, Bundy against Kyle Gibson. Yeah. Gibson, yeah. Uh, Gibson with a 6.1 ERA against Dylan Bundy, 6.56. Look, when you go into a series and your starting pitchers have earned run averages before the game start of 11.88, 8.59, and 6.56, uh, you're you're looking at an uphill battle. Uh, but in fairness, the Twins, uh, Martin Perez last night had a 5.31 going into the game, and Demar Gibson has a 6.10. Uh, it's not exactly like Walter Johnson and Bob Feller. Yeah, but Gibson's yeah. win. one and He picked up his first win against the Orioles last week when he gave up two runs over five innings with six strikeouts. So again, <laughs> another another Minnesota Twins. It seems to it seems to raise his game against Baltimore. Uh, your thoughts on the decision to? Um, I, mean, I know where you stand on you and Craig stand on on uh, Alex Cobb and uh, the fact that the club has other options, but given that they want Cobb in the rotation. Your thoughts on the move of John Means into the rotation and subtracting David Hess out of the rotation? Well, and David Hess had that one great game. I know we talked about we talked about this what last week, then we stand last Thursday yeah. about Hess's numbers, about the his kind of up and down performance. Um, and then Means just stayed with the hot hand, he's pitching well. Um, but again, you know, once teams get the splits on these guys and get the video, we'll see how well. But again, Brandon Hyde's got six guys who are pitching effectively, and maybe David Hess. You know, he, he goes back to the bullpen, works on a few things, and I think we'll see him back in the rotation at some point. Let but me, right now, it's a let me ask you just from a different point of view: Could you see, you know, everybody? And I was on Masson last night with uh, Alex Parker and uh, Mel Anton, and Mel was sort of taking this as you can't take Hess out of the rotation. You know, you you can't you can't take him out and give up on him. I don't always see a change in role as giving up on somebody. To me, no, when you give up on somebody, you do what the team did with Mike Wright. I'm looking at the bullpen roles on this team, and I think that the last two times they've used Mike Givens in save situations, he's thrown over 30 pitches, and they've been like five, six days apart. Uh, you can't you can't rely on the fact that Michael Givens – won't get used more often in games. And I think this club needs a twice-a-week guy that pitches the seventh and eighth innings and actually might be able to lock down the opposition. Yeah, but is that guy David Hess? Or is yeah. it or is it Yanoa now? I mean, I, I See, don't I, know. And Noah, and Noah, We've seen enough of him, though, right. to make you wonder if it couldn't be David Hess. Yeah, that's well, what I'm saying. Because... Three, four solid innings. 
in the fifth inning. They sort of get to him. Well, but that that speaks to that speaks to the fact that his repertoire he doesn't have enough variation in pitches and speeds and and thinking process to out to outmaneuver batters two and three times when you pitch two innings you don't have to face guys second time right but the other exactly. part of that the other part of that though is if if you're Brandon Hyde I, I'm sure deep down from a managerial standpoint right he would like to have his starters giving him five innings on a nightly basis I would even yeah. say or, or maybe six. even six yeah, right on a six. nightly basis and I think David Hess gives you a better chance of doing that than putting him in the bullpen either as a long guy. And I, and I think that's where Mel's coming from, not necessarily no, giving up on I him. I understand where everybody's coming <laughs> from, but here's here's the, the David Hess history. First two, this is going back, and I, I wrote this up. I'll show, yeah, it, I'll show that, it on yeah. screen. I wrote this up the other day. First two games in the major leagues, they weren't starts, I don't believe. Uh, ten and two-thirds innings. Earn run average six seven five one five zero whip. That's back in May last year. Right. Next three games, eighteen and two thirds innings. ERA zero point nine six whip of one oh one. Next four games, seventeen and two thirds innings. Earn run average of ten point seven whip of one point four seven. Next two games, nine innings, eight earn run average one five five whip. Then. When he came back and really got established there last year, eight games, forty-four innings, and a third, three oh five ERA, one two one WHIP. Those were all starts this year. First two games, eight and a third innings, zero 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 ERA, zero four eight WHIP. Next four games, seventeen and two thirds innings, eight six six, one point five eight WHIP. To me, the consistency in David Hess is that there is no consistency, and I think some of it has to do if he's coming in in shorter bursts, uh, I think he's got a chance to be much more effective. Yeah, I mean, numbers don't really ride, do they? You know? Listen, I've been around a long time, and I made the same argument in Baltimore. And the about, numbers don't lie. <laughs> about, about, Kevin, about Kevin Gosman, that I thought that the Orioles really were misusing Gosman, but the, the guy that really speaks to this years ago was Arthur Rhodes. Yeah. They brought him up, yeah. thought he was – and he was much more highly held in esteem than, than David Hess. As oh, a pitcher. by far. And he ended up yeah. having a 16-year career pitching in the role that I'm suggesting that David Hess might be better suited for. And, by well, the way, yeah. when I say that I'd like to see this, I also think there's something in those shorter innings – that you can learn a little bit more about yourself and maybe come back and fight another day there is, as a starting pitcher. There is, but like you said, the key, no matter what role it is, is to try to find the consistency to where it's not him being inconsistent as his consistency. Right, right. Uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's the only thing consistent about David S is his inconsistency. I think taking the next four to eight weeks and trying him in the bridge role of the seventh, eighth innings makes all the sense in the world to me. When you, when you yeah. have a pitcher that throws as hard as David Hess and he's unfettered by needing to pitch six or seven innings and he's only got two innings to go, suddenly he picks up another mile, mile and a half an hour mm-hmm. on his fastball. Yeah, he's a young guy. You don't want it to spiral so badly where he loses, you know, 
eight straight starts, you know, and his confidence starts going. You know, I think Hyde's Hyde, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's a set that they're gonna stop in the bleeding, but it is getting him out of there, you know, so he can, he can you know, get back in the bullpen, throw a couple strong innings, and, and get his confidence back and start working on his pitches. We're in the uh, live casino hotel studios. Brittany Everett is running uh, the show along Literally. with Ryan, Ryan McGettigan. Yeah. Ryan also already has a fan club, by the way. Really? We've got one comment on our Facebook page. Uh, What's it say? Why from, the hell are you there? It's from Amy oh, Phillips. Is that a girlfriend? Please. Amy Phillips? <laughs> no? Yay, Ryan McGettigan. And it's already got a like there, too. Yeah, okay. All right. Uh-huh. He's a big star. It's probably from Ryan. <laughs> He's a player. No, he he's he's got no That's right. In front. And you know, Todd, we don't hate the player, we hate the game. Right. <laughs> exactly, exactly right. Um Todd, overtime and extra innings. Todd, right. Todd, uh let me ask you a question. The club was kind of mum on uh was it Wednesday night as to Chris Davis. He wasn't in the lineup. We found out after the game with no details, and we're certainly not entitled to the details, but uh, there, there was a personal matter and he would meet the team in Minnesota. Do we know whether, and I'm throwing you a curve because I know you're not there with the team, do we know if he was in the park last night because there was a left-handed starter, which could be the reason that manager uh, uh, Brandon Hyde sat him, but do we know if he's back with the team? Well, no. You know, the whole thing was kind of odd, wasn't it? Because they didn't want me to even saying that he was not at the park on, when, you know, on that Wednesday. Yeah. Um, they, you know, they asked. For competitive reasons, not not to say anything about it. Right. Because, well, I I, know, which is, I always which is, leave you know, when I hear personal reasons. I I don't try and pry into what the reasons are. I think they're probably you know somewhat significant. Whatever the reason, they've got to be significant enough for him to to miss and explain to the club and uh, what his absence is about. So we we wish him and his family well. I just would like to know if he's at the park or not. Yeah, I'm just looking now. I don't know. Um, he wasn't a lot, like you said, and then there's nothing really in the notebook about it. You know, I mean, whether he was there or not. You know, you know it's something. Again, they're not. They're in the, they don't need to say. You know, why he's not there, but at the same time, the media does have to say. You know, we got to report on if the guy, whether or not the guy. Is, is with the team or not. And you know, I just so went was... to MLB, uh, not, not MLB, Baseball Press MLB. If you go to Google and type in Baseball Press MLB, they shoot you the lineups, and no lineups have been released as of 10.35 this morning for a 2.10 start in the Twins. They should cities. be coming soon, though. Yeah, probably in the next half hour, 45 minutes, we'll have yeah. both teams' lineups. All right. Todd, uh, what do you what do you look for on this road trip? They're zero and one. Do you think they have a chance at uh, a three and three record on the road trip? Yep. No, they got to take care of Minnesota. That's been a huge problem. They haven't even been close in this game against the Twins. Um, today's going to be key. They, if they can get one today, yes, I do think they can get they can get a three and three road trip. Um, but again, it's going to be a tough battle today. Any other uh, stories you're sort of following right now on the Orioles beat? Uh, just keeping up with the you know the constant trend, you know. But they're going to beat the younger guys down the minors. Who's who's knocking on the door? You know, it's going to be interesting to see who, you know, who's playing well enough to break through. You know, Montcastle, he was what player of the week last week, right? Um, and you know, they could they could use his bat. So, um, just watching to see who's 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 pushing for roster spots. And right now, you know, we're we're a month into the season where guys, if they don't start playing better, they're going to start making decisions on them. Yeah, and you know, give them a month's a good time to start. You know, if you're if you're betting on the two hundred, 
Well, and then they did with Cedric Mullins. Well, we know it's only enough time to, to play, and then the, the, the clock struck on them. We we know it's only been a couple days. It'll be interesting to see whether uh, Cedric Mullins goes back and just really keeps his head down and applies himself to getting better uh, because you'd hate to see him sort of have the same struggles that Chance Cisco has had, you know, since yeah, he was Yeah, he, he played really – he played well defensively, but, again, you got to hit. You yeah. know, and he was, he was really struggling, and he was – he's a switch hitter, too, which would be valuable. And, that, and that's one thing they said they want him to work on when he, got, when he went back down is to hit from both sides of the plate and try to get – you know, become you know, a weapon that way. But again, and then I talked to I talked to Trey Mancini about it, and he he spoke to Cedric Mullins. He said that he did say that Mullins still had it was still had still had his head up. You know, he got good support from the club, and he knew what he had to work on when he goes down there. So yeah, um, listen, we'll see. And, you know, and, and a young guy like that again, Brandon Hyde uses the word confidence a lot. Yeah, you know, so yeah. I, I think it was a pretty devastating month up here for uh, yeah, Cedric Mullins. Yeah. You're no question about it. You know, it's it's interesting sometimes whether a team has a chance to really contend or not, you can have bad luck along the way. And to me, uh, the perfect scenario was that you give Cedric Mullins the first month to see if he can get his feet established in the major leagues, and then you would have gone to an Austin Hayes who would have been red hot only as soon as they sent him down in a minor league game, uh, Austin Hayes, before the regular season, uh, jammed his uh, hand and thumb, uh, yeah. diving back into a base. He hasn't he hasn't picked up baseball, uh, uh, you know, uh, to do any baseball activity. Yeah, activities. Yeah. That's the word. I was then, of course, Diaz for. went on the uh, Diaz went on the, uh, the um, seven day IL yesterday. Who um, did? With undisclosed injury. Um, you just nailed Diaz? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Todd, we thank you for your uh, being on the show. Uh, what's going on lacrosse-wise today, real quick? Oh, the big one. The big one tonight. Um, Maryland Hopkins at Maryland. Yeah. Um, but uh, Michigan upset Ohio State last night, so Hopkins, win or lose, is in the Big Ten tournament. But they're going to have to – if they lose tonight, they're going to have to win two games in three A's to make the NCAA tournament. So that's – that's going to be a tough battle for them. Hey, uh, I've talked to a couple experts that say that uh, Dave Petromala is in no trouble at Hopkins. You and I, who maybe we're not the experts that these other two people are, but we both feel that there could be some trouble looming for Dave. I've, I've been hearing rumblings for a while, so we'll see yeah. how that what happens yeah. when the season's over. Um, you'd be hard, I'll tell you what, though. You'd be hard-pressed to find a better coach. Let me ask you a question. If he were let go by Hopkins or they jointly uh, reach a conclusion that it's just not working, how long would it take Dave before he had another job? No, I would say with, 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 he would have an interview within a week, I tell yeah, you that. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we, uh, mean, we appreciate you being on, Todd. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot. Let's uh, pay a couple bills right now. We want to remind people to head to Live Casino Hotel for Family Feud Live, that's right, a celebrity edition on May the 31st. Win prizes and play along with Alonzo Bowden from Last Comic Standing and Brian Bumgarner from The Office. Tickets start at just $25 for one of two shows at 1 p.m. or 7 p.m. on Friday, May the 31st. Go to livecasinohotel.com and reserve your place now. Craig, uh... 
Were you? Uh, you didn't get a chance to go to the Costas Inn last night. You no, were at the haven't ballpark. Been, I haven't late. been out there for a while, so we're going to try to do it uh, either later how tonight. Are they sur- how are they surviving? Well, I'm sure they're fine. Oh, okay. Your money's not important to no, them. Not important to them. No. Not important. I, I just, I just show up, take up space, and watch TV, pretty much. <laughs> but the Costas Inn, the greatest place to go if you want steamed crabs or the world famous crab cakes, and specials throughout the week on their menu. Every night, Monday is crab cake night, and that's a great price for a uh, crab cake dinner, uh, two sides. And then on uh, Tuesday night, it's rib night. Wednesday is steak night. Thursday is lobster night. You can get that either plain or stuffed with the fabulous Costas Crab Imperial. Mm, God, that's uh, good stuff. It's good stuff. My wife loves that. Yeah, yeah. and on Friday, live entertainment. Uh, Wednesday is jazz night. Uh, you uh, coming up on Friday? It's the Rat Pack, Rick Oliger and the boys. All right, and you can ship crab cakes or crabs anywhere, anywhere in the country, in, yep. the world, in the world, in yeah. the world. Just call the Costasin at 410-497-494. What's their phone number? I have no idea. I, you know, I know. I don't need to call them. I just, I, you know. Wait a minute. If if Pete, if, if Nick. Trian- uh, That's the third if time Nick, on this show. Nick I must Triantopoulos- have had like a little episode during my sleep last night. You might I'm, have. If Nick yeah. Triantopoulos. What's your name, by the way? <laughs> if Nick Triantopoulos allows me to get through security, <laughs> <laughs> I never need a phone. <laughs> I have never had that. There's the phone number is 410 477 1975. There you go. And that's the number. You folks out there remember it because I sure as hell can't anymore. <laughs> Around here, there are two kinds of chicken. Royal Farms' world-famous chicken and everything else. What's the difference? Royal Farms' chicken is always fresh, never frozen. It's hand-dipped in a secret recipe of herbs and spices and cooked on the spot right in the store. Chicken from anywhere else? Who knows? Hungry for some hot and delicious chicken? Get some Royal Farms' world-famous chicken. It's one of a kind. And don't forget the Western fries. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. May the 4th be with you at Oriole Park at Camden Yards when the Orioles take on the Tampa Bay Rays. Be one of the first 20,000 fans ages 15 and over to get a Star Wars BB-8 beanie. Special ticket packages get you the exclusive Trey Mancini and BB-8 bobblehead and access to the best pregame party in the galaxy. Come dressed up and take pictures with your favorite Star Wars characters. The new ballpark local food and brews are even more exciting than a Moss Eisley cantina. Star Wars Night at Oriole Park is May the 4th. Visit Orioles.com for tickets. Baltimore's favorite bar is just 771 feet from home plate at Camden Yards. Sliders Bar and Grill at 504 Washington Boulevard, just steps from Camden Yards, is the perfect sports bar for every season. This is the perfect time to book your private party or take the office to lunch. Feeding clients? Take them to Baltimore's neighborhood sports bar, Sliders, for great food and drinks with some local atmosphere. You can book your private event on the second floor or on the outside patio, both overlooking the best stadium in baseball. See all of Sliders' daily specials or book your party at slidersbaltimore.com. Sliders, Baltimore's neighborhood sports bar. Visit them today. One third of crash fatalities in Maryland are due to impaired driving. Don't be a statistic. Be legendary. What does it mean to be legendary? It means always making a plan to choose a sober driver or be one. Never drinking, then getting behind the wheel. Making sure to get a ride for yourself and your friends if needed. Always speaking up and taking the keys from an impaired driver. Remember, sober drivers save lives. This safety message is brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation. Visit BeLegendaryMD.com. 
Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square is very, very popular, as you've undoubtedly noticed if you've been there recently. Want to skip the lines completely? Download the Chick-fil-A app, and your food will be ready when you get there, but not a minute sooner. Your hot, fresh waffle fries, fresh, never-frozen chicken, and ice-cold drinks will be delivered to you when you get there. They'll bring it out to your car, or you can come in and get it without standing in line. Plus, ordering through the Chick-fil-A app earns you reward points that will add up to free stuff. And the app remembers what you like. So if you like extra pickles, then the app remembers. If you prefer less ice in your drink, the app remembers. Anytime you customize your order, the Chick-fil-A app will file it away and remember for your next visit. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, 5198 Campbell Boulevard. If you need help downloading the app, ask the Nottingham Square store owner, Steve. Steve can do anything. Chick-fil-A, get the app, skip the lines. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. This is former Terp AJ Francis, just here to let you know that I am a huge wrestling fan. I know you are too. And there's a lot of stupid idiots out there that ruin the wrestling podcast experience for everyone else. Hey, Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone. I don't understand why people would ever cheer for Roman Reigns. He's awful. I'm sick of it. Boo! Boo Roman Reigns! Never wrestled for Ring of Honor. Never wrestled for PWG. Never wrestled Uh, in Japan. He is no Kenny Omega. Too sweet me, bro. I hate both of you. And this is why I keep stupid idiots like you on my list. This is your boy Y2AJ here to save you. Find Jobbing Out, the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com on SoundCloud or iTunes. Right, we are back on the battle round and uh, I'm told we are behind schedule so we will get right to it from the live casino hotel studios. Stan the fan of Craig Heist joining us right now is uh, the man, the myth, and the legend Mike Shallon from the New Hampshire Union Leader and also uh, official score at Fenway Park, and a man who did not get a job at Forbes magazine. That's right. Mike, what is it? Is it the man, the myth, or the legend? Well, in my mind, it's the legend. Okay. So <laughs> that's, that's really, that's half the battle. Once and got that going and you're, mo- you're modest, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, um, <laughs> I know you're, you're not on the Red Sox beat every day like you were in uh, in the prime of your career, uh, but you follow the team pretty closely. Uh, they seem to be hanging on a week a week ago. They were like hanging on uh, by the by the chinny chin chin. They go into Tampa and beat arguably the team playing the best baseball. Three straight games, well competed, close ball games, and then they lose a doubleheader to the Tigers. Then they win a double uh, two back to back games against the Tigers. Is this team on the right path right now? Well, um, they're still under 500. Um, I'm going 11 and 15, I think, or something like that. But um, I, I don't know. I, I, so, so far, it's it's showing all the signs of what happens to teams when they try to repeat. Um, the things that that, that went right um, last year are going wrong. Uh, you know, the, the breaks they got last year, which – you have to have some to win 118 games during or 119, whatever it was, 119 games during the season. Um, they just, um, 
the pitching has been poor. Uh, 25 games into the season, they had two victories from their starting pitcher. Wow. Uh, or three. I think it might have been three. Rodriguez got his second win. And then Porcello won. So that doubled. That doubled their wins by starting pitcher. And, you know, it's, it's, um, I think that a uh, couple of things they did wrong um, during the offseason, this, this absurd look at their bullpen, you know, to have the highest payroll in, in baseball and to, to let Kimbrough and Kelly walk and not, not replace them mm-hmm. uh, was a mistake. Uh, the, the Pedro, they got hung up a little bit on the Pedroia situation where they, they didn't want to go out and get a second baseman because they had to leave the door open for Pedroia. Meanwhile, they've had six players play second base so far. Not all at the same time, but they've had six players play second base. And uh, I think they gave Chris Harrell the money when they didn't have to. Um, I, I don't. I didn't see a need for for that kind of contract for a pitcher with that build and that kind of delivery, who has uh, traditionally been a um, a low average pitcher in August, September, and October. So, just about everything they did so far has turned out wrong. Now that said, you know, there's a lot of free wins in the American League. And I don't want to, I guess not free, but yeah. the Yankees have just gone on a seven out of eight um, tear. Last night they had Giovanni Urshela down in cleanup, by the way. But <laughs> they, they went on, they've gone on a seven out of eight, but, you know, it's, it's Kansas City and it's, uh, and it's uh, Anaheim, you know, L.A. And, and um, who's the one they beat in the middle? Um, well, they're, they're playing the Giants right now. Yeah. The Giants, yeah. Yeah, the Kansas Angels City, were in the middle. Anaheim, right. Kansas City, Anaheim, and the Giants. So yeah. there's, you know, there's three teams that, that probably won't be over 500. So there's a lot of free wins. There's a lot of ways to get fat on, on you know, the, the, the uh, teams at the bottom. And, um, you know, I believe that they'll straighten it out. Uh, I don't, you know, obviously they're not going to win 108 games. Um, but, you know, this is what happens. This is why nobody's repeated since 2000. Hey, Mike, real quick, when Stan and I do this show, we'll point to each other or he'll point to me to ask a question and that kind of thing. I just want to get off baseball for, for, for one question here. This week, I know where you're going. Th- this week we lost John Havlicek. Mm-hmm. And, and when, I was, when I was growing up, there was no better way to spend a Sunday afternoon listening to Keith Jackson on ABC call Celtics games on the network or Knicks games as well. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but Hondo was the epitome of what every basketball player when I was growing up should be. Um, you know, it's funny. I just, um, I'm working on my Sunday column and, and my lead is a, a different perspective than, than all these accolades. I, I wrote that I, I hated John Havlicek. Really? I was a Knicks fan growing up. <laughs> I hated John Havlicek and I hate, and I hated the Celtics and I hated the stupid floor. And I hated all that stuff, but you had to admire. <laughs> you know, John Havlicek to me was kind of like what Bobby Orr was, Big Bad Bruins. Uh-huh. You know, you had to hate the Bruins, but how could you really hate Orr? I mean, that, that would have been kind of silly. Um, he was just, you know, uh, you know, I, I, it's funny thing is you can picture guys doing a lot of things. Like you can, you know, you can picture Dr. J with a reverse slam dunk, and you can. You could picture Jerry West with the perfect jump shot and all this stuff. For me, the picture of Havlicek is kind of tilted sideways.
towards the basket 15 or 16 feet away and banking the ball off the backboard. Mm-hmm. That, that to me was Havlicek, you know, and, and I didn't, I, you know, I don't believe a pass crossed at all, but, you know, he's one of those people who just class personified, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, when I use the word hate, obviously I'm talking sports hate. Yeah. I never wish any ill will on the man, but, uh, uh, he caused a lot of pain for the Knicks, and in fact, the Knicks' second championship was probably the result of him getting hurt in Game Three of that series when he collided with Dave Bushman. Look, so, look, the, look, the NBA moved to Baltimore uh, in 1963 when the Chicago Zephyrs moved to Baltimore, and I became, at the age of 11, a huge NBA fan. So I don't know the history of of the bench and how coaches use the bench. I just know one thing. The bench used to be used before John Havlicek. If a guy got in foul trouble or a guy got hurt, you you, you waved to the bench. It, he he was a sea change in in how you use the bench to change the energy of games, wasn't he? Well, I think Frank Ramsey was was a lot of that too. Yeah, that's true. Before, yeah, when I was a kid, obviously not to the point of being as great as Hondo was, but I think that um, you know Red was always. Uh, an innovator. It was, it, listen, it took innovation to, to to not put any heat in the visitor or hot water in the visitors' locker room. You know, Red Red <laughs> did everything he had to do to win basketball games. And um, uh, but like you say, to, to turn him in, you know, to he was, you know, he was Lou Williams way before Lou Williams was Lou Williams. So um, he was just he was just a great player. There's no, you know, when you see the accolades pouring in now. Um, there's no, you know, everything was dignity in class. No question about it. He even tried to play in that series against the Knicks. And I, if I remember correctly, the Celtics only scored like 78 points or something in game seven as he tried to play that, that game. The Knicks beat the Lakers to win the championship. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, uh, you get, you get the real feeling that this one bites at the core of the Boston sports fan. Yeah. You know, obviously he was going to die. Everybody died. But, you know, I, Hondo almost had that Ted Williams glow about him, that indestructible yep. glow. Now, he played on the Ohio State team with Lucas and Siegfried, right? Lucas, Siegfried, Bobby Knight. Yep. Uh, Mel Knoll. Yep. Uh, Mel Knoll, former player. And uh, I'm leaving somebody out. Roberts. Joe Roberts, I want to say. Right. Uh, yeah, that was a pretty good team. Yeah. <laughs> One hell of a good team. Uh, obviously, you know, obviously, there was no, you know, I think Knight, if I remember, Knight might have been the sixth man on that team. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I was six years old or something, but. Um, yeah, pretty good team and drafted by the Browns. In fact, I just uh, I just typed in a story from a, from a reader uh, and uh, uh, talking about Havlicek. He says, quote, I was at a youth basketball camp in Malden in 63 or 64, which John was at. He told us a funny story. Before he pursued an NBA career, he tried out for the Cleveland Browns as an end, and he had to block Big Daddy Lipscomb in a scrimmage in preseason. He ended up in pain at the bottom of a pile of players with his helmet twisted around so he could not see out. He decided then to try the NBA. <laughs> That'll do it. But, you know. I mean, I mean yeah, people people don't know who Big Daddy you know, People, a lot of your listeners don't know who Big Daddy Lipscomb was. But just having the name Big Daddy tells you that you probably didn't want to be up underneath him with your helmet twisted around. Well, in Baltimore, we remember Big Daddy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I just, I just think that when I was growing up, you know, late '60s, early '70s, into the mid '70s, that to me, Mike, was the, 
that was the real core NBA. And and I I know there's a lot of you know you know with the KDs and the Steph Currys and James Hardens of the world and LeBrons, the game is just not what it was when it was back then. I mean, I, to me, that was real real down to earth basketball. Well, yeah, I agree. I agree to a point. Uh, I think that this era right now is the greatest collection of athletes in the sport. Exactly. Exactly. And I, and I also think that the, that the NBA athlete is the greatest athlete in the world, uh, perhaps with the exception of ballet dancers, if you want to consider that athletics. But, um, you know, it, it would have been very interesting to see how the players of that era would have adapted to the players of this era, you know, to the play of this era, yeah. you know, with, with the, uh, the three-pointer and stuff. But I've maintained for, for years since I was covering the Knicks back in, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, that they were going to outgrow their court, and that's exactly what's happened. And um, four-on-four four is probably more practical if, if you're not going to widen the court. And right. what we're seeing now, I mean, I was watching Durant last night, and that's just insane. You know, here's a, here's a seven-footer bringing the ball up court and dropping the ball in from 28 feet away. The shot that Damian Lillard hit the other day to win that game was from the parking lot. In, yeah, in the schoolyard we used to call it a chuck. Well, look, he's chucking again, you know. <laughs> um, but that was actually a set, a set play, if you can believe it. And they they practiced that. Um, it's phenomenal what they're doing now. Um, but you had to love the the competitiveness of a guy like Havlicek, who was a six foot five, uh, quote small forward back then. Um, you know, Willis Reed, and, and who was barely 6'10", uh, Bill Russell, you know, guys, uh, Russell, Russell's battles with Chamberlain, you know, um, uh, just, you know, listen, it's, it, it, it's, it warms my heart every time I think about that NBA, but then I was doing some research on a movie project a long, long while back about Jack Molinas when he was in the league, and then you start hearing about how the referees were all in the pockets of, it, of the gambling syndicates. Mm-hmm. And this, got, this was going on. Now the players were being treated fairly. Freddie Zelda used to used to have a charter plane where he, he kept the players in the back, and he sat up in the front, and they would stop and pick up hookers and, and continue the flight. You know, not for the players, of course, but for the owner. Right. Imagine that, an owner with a hooker. I can't, wonder, I can't imagine what that <laughs> I was going to say, everybody needs a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody needs a hobby. Um, but you know, it was it was a glory time, and and, and when you tell people around here that uh, there used to be you know, eight teams in the league, and you used to see four of them in one night because there would be double headers. And you say, what double headers? Are you crazy? And uh, you know, you see uh, the Madison Square Garden. You see the Lakers play the Celtics in the first game, and uh, it's like the and one, one double header. I was seven years old and walked over to Will Chamberlain and, and he uh, to ask for his autograph, and he picked me up and put me on his knee and signed the autograph, and they, they, they proceeded to pass me down the road. To, you know, Paul, <laughs> Paul Harris, Tom Machery, and, and all these guys. And, and uh, you know, they were the guys were just sitting there, you know. And, and that's why I tell people, I had all these autographs. I don't know what happened to them, but I, I think as a little kid, I would have remembered Bill Russell saying no. And, yeah. and I don't remember anybody ever saying no. So... It was, you know, then the, the smoke would be hanging over the, the, the court. And, you know, yep. good old healthy hard, uh, yep. basketball. <laughs> We're talking with Mike Shown, a New Hampshire Union leader. Let me circle back to baseball. Were you uh, official scoring the other day when Sale pitched against the Tigers? Yes, I was. 
your thoughts on that performance? Is he heading in the right direction? Well, he has a few more swings and misses. Um, again, you have to take into account the lineup he was facing. But the fact of the matter is, he still only won five innings. Yeah, more than three runs in five innings, I guess. And um, you know, he he doesn't have a victory. Uh, you know, I the game before that, he threw thirty-three four seamers and got one swing and miss. So that's that's something they have to be concerned about. Um, I guess I'm going to see him this weekend if it, if it, um, we actually have some decent weather this morning, but tomorrow's supposed to be raining out again. Um, you don't know. I mean, you just don't know. That's, that's the thing about how fragile pitchers are these days. You know, you, you, you literally go, go game to game and, and, um, and it's not, it's not just sale. It's, it's all over baseball. A lot of the starters are having trouble early in the season when the, when the pitching's supposed to be ahead of the hitting. Now, part of that is, is the baby and these guys get in spring training, which you have to understand to a point because of the extra games and the extra pitching that the Red Sox guys did last year. They've already lost Evaldi for six weeks. Um, but a lot of magical things happened, you know, in the, in the postseason last year. And, you know, it's just, it, it, it may take a while to rev it up. It may be the kind of thing where, you know, they're sitting at 28 and 30 after 58 games and you're waiting for them to make the move, waiting for them to make the move, and, and it may not come because of how difficult it is to do this. Last last quick question because we are a tiny bit behind, but uh, the contract that they gave Sale, uh, mm-hmm. it, it led me to believe, I said, well, the Red Sox are a pretty smart organization. They must know he's healthy. Um, uh, really, the health consideration in giving him that contract it just seems like they really um, kind of missed by a mile on this. Well, the owner came out and said that he didn't want another John Lester situation. Right. And that, that did it right there. They were going to sign him. Okay. Um, I did not know that. Could, okay. Yeah, unless they, yeah, he came out and said that they were, were the obvious that they mishandled Lester. They, they lowballed Lester. Lester has gone on to make at least 31 starts every, every year in Chicago. Um, these two's proven, you know, to be incredibly durable. And they, you know, John Henry said that this isn't going to happen again. Now that said, did they do the right thing? Time, obviously, time will tell. They're a very rich organization. They can, they can throw money after money if they have to, unless they are unwilling with this whole, this whole salary cap thing uh, to leave themselves without a, a guy like Kimball. To me, is just a, a mistake. But um, we'll see what happens. We'll see how it plays out. Mike, thank you for joining us today, and uh, especially Craig brought up a great topic in uh, John Havlicek, the passing well, of the great. Unfortunately, that a lot of times when you call me, we're talking about recent deaths, and I, yep. you know, yeah, we'll try and avoid that in the future. <laughs> Unfor- All right. Yeah, unfortunately, and one day, one day you're gonna you're gonna call me, and we'll be talking about my own demise, which will be very interesting. All right. Uh, let's not let's we, not look forward to that. I'm not looking forward to it, but I promise you, we won't rip you that bad. <laughs> okay, well, just yeah, just leave me alone. And also, as I posted on Facebook the other day, uh, uh, after exhaustive uh, talks with my with my staff and the skeletons in my closet, I am not running for president. All right, we thank you for that, Mike. Thanks. Right. Talk to you we'll soon. All right. There's Mike Shallon, a great guy, and. You know, uh, that was a great trip down memory well, lane. Well, I just wanted to do because of the Boston. Yeah, I hadn't thought fact, about it. I hadn't and, thought about it. And I, I just wanted to get off of baseball I'll, just for a little bit because he's got such great insight yeah. on a lot of different things. 
and and when you when you talk about the NBA back then, and we we all here in Baltimore know about what the battles were with Frazier, DeBusher, Monroe, Reed, uh, but nobody ran that weave at the top of the circle team basketball like, like the, the New York, York no uh, like the, the New York Knicks, Knicks. Yeah. yeah 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 the press box high school lacrosse show is sponsored by Jerry's Tire located in Baltimore City just steps away from Little Italy and historic Jonestown. Jerry's not only sells all the major brand tires like Bridgestone, Michelin, and Continental, but is your go-to shop for everything from oil changes to factory scheduled maintenance. All repairs are backed by a nationwide warranty. The team over at Jerry's has been serving the Baltimore area for over 62 years, and they're eager to earn your business. Give them a call at 410-685-4330 or visit them online at jerrystires.com to shop for tires and schedule an appointment that's G E R R Y S tires.com. And uh, joining us right now is an old friend of ours, and that is number 12 in your scorecards and number one in our heart, Mike Devereaux. I know he doesn't remember this. Yes. But he was the first, he was, the, he was a player that would first gave me my first pair of Oakley sunglasses. Really? He gave oh, them really? To you? Yes, you did. And I have All never, right. ever forgotten that. Do you, that, right. do you still have that pair? I do not have that pair. No. Well, and Devo, oh. you know how great those sunglasses are. But anybody I that do. anybody that owns those sunglasses knows you you lose them every now and then. <laughs> uh huh. How you doing, pal? Great. How you guys doing? Good. We're doing we're doing great. We've been we chuckle about you about an incident that involved you, and I've never really talked to you about it. It's the game winning home run against the Angels. We think it was in July of 89, maybe early August of 89, the one that wrapped around the foul pole. Right. I remember that. All right. You all remember right. the ensuing. Well, first of all, was it fair or was it foul, Devo? Come on. Well, every time I check the scorecards, it's, it's, it's fair. fair. <laughs> and who'd you, who'd you hit that off of? I don't even remember. All right. We'll have to look that up. But the ball wrapped around the fair pole or the foul pole. The, the, the Orioles side thought it did. The umpires thought it did. One man didn't, and that was Doug Rader, who was the manager of the Angels at the time. Do you remember the incident the next night or the next day when they came out, the managers came out with the umpires to um, exchange, exchange lineup the, cards? Exchange yeah. the lineup cards. Do you remember what ensued? I do. I do remember that. And, and, um, and Rader got kicked out of the game, right? Uh, right exchanging lineup cards. Right. <laughs> And did you ever know why he got kicked out? Well, I know he was arguing that call from the, the previous night. Yeah, but he, had a, but he they said. They were all crazy that night. That night I hit it, too. Yeah, but he said something. on the, He wrote something on the lineup card to give to the umpires uh, <laughs> and basically questioned uh, the umpires. Uh, it, it's a long story. Right, I do recall yeah. that. Fa- favorite of <laughs> and Frank then, Robinson. And Frank and Robinson you- and male <laughs> genitalia. Uh, and umpires, so it was—it's one of the funniest baseball stories we remember together. You know, it's—it's it's great because you, you remember that, uh, and you also remember the Earl Weaver, uh, Bill Haller situation at first base. Uh, Channel Nine in DC is doing a uh, piece on umpires, and they've got Haller mic'd up, and that's the night that Earl has the three and a half minutes of just the greatest. That Mike Flanagan always used to say. That's, you know, whenever the team was going bad or we needed a pickup, we'd always take that video out and watch it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Mike, oh, yeah. uh, Mike, a uh, uh, trip down memory lane. You're doing uh, something that you must love to do, and that's teaching hitting to young hitters. You're at the A-Ball uh, affiliate of the Cincinnati Reds in Dayton, Ohio. How's it going so far? It's going good. I'm, I'm definitely enjoying my time here. And uh, like you said, I enjoy uh, teaching the game of baseball. I love and respect the game, and, and I like – other people to have uh, to experience what I've experienced in it. I made the mistake uh, of well, 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 I'll tell you what. Let me let me ask it from this standpoint. What is or or how hard is it to take what you incorporated into your game at the major league level and try to teach kids and young players in the minor leagues how to go about doing their business? Well, first of all, every Every kid is different, so you, you don't want to try to teach everybody the same thing. And one thing I, I, I do know um, that it's the same is, is the confidence that you have within yourself mm-hmm. and the respect you have for the game. And I, I definitely try to teach confidence and, and believing in yourself and, and coming up with the, with the routine and, and being consistent on what you're trying to do. All right. Tell, tell us a little bit. Who's your manager there at Dayton? Uh, Luis Boulevard. Okay, and yes. I'm looking at your your roster right now in the stats. Tell me a little bit about a catcher named Jay Shiler, uh, who's all he's doing is hitting 353 with a homer and 14 RBIs. Yeah, I mean he he comes up in, in crucial situations and comes through for us all the time. Even last night uh, when one of our guys didn't get the runner in from third base with 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 uh, with one out, um, he came up there with two outs and and and, and knocked both runs in. And he's been doing that for us all year. Um, he has a routine that he goes through every day. He has a plan at the plate, and he, he sticks with it. And uh, he just um, he's uh, just works hard. I mean, uh, he's a he's a good guy. Works hard and has done very well for us. How is he defensively? Well, he hasn't been catching much lately. Uh, he's okay. been out in the outfield a little bit, and he's uh, he's doing a lot of DHing. So he's mainly uh, pretty much a. Uh, Hitting so let me ask you one other question about him. I see he's hitting 353 on base percentage of 400, but of his 24 hits, there's three doubles, one triple, and a home run. Is that tell me that he'll never hit for power, or is there a process that young hitters go through where the power comes at a later date? Now that's exactly it. I mean, the, the, the game of baseball, first thing you need to do is learn how to hit. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's the most difficult part about it. And and to be honest with you, you really don't learn how to hit if you're lucky enough to make it to the big leagues till your years into the big leagues. And uh, you're still you're still trying to learn. Um, but um, what, what what Skyler also does, he bunts a lot. I mean, <laughs> really he bunts. He probably has five six basic bunts. Interesting. And so, so that obviously he's not he's 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 doing a job for us. He's not trying to go deep. Uh, he has a plan. And uh, I bet I bet he's only been thrown out. I didn't think he has been thrown out. Um, On a bunt because he's a catcher. They think he's slow and he put down good bunts. And a lot of times there's not even a throw. Let me ask you this: from a teaching standpoint, how much pride do you take, or do you get rather, from watching? the fruits of your labor pay off for somebody else at the minor league level who's trying to make it and get, take that next step. Well, that's actually the thrill I get out of the game right now. I mean, I love playing the game. I, I love watching the game. And uh, as of now, I can't play it now. So, so my thrill is, is um, 
through developments. Uh, so developing these players along with all the other guys in the organization. And when, once these guys make it, I'm watching them play. So I, there's a little bit more emotion involved in, in watching the game when I, I see some of the players that uh, – that have gone through the organizations that I've been a part of. Well, I know that's one of the things with me, Mike, is the fact that I knew from a very early age that I wasn't going to be able to play this game. So I did the next best thing, and I talked about it. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, you know, you and I were in each other's company probably about a year and a half, two years ago, and I said to you, I said, you know, you made one of the best catches I've ever seen at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. And we had one similar the other night. We had one similar the other night. But you and and Devon White uh, from Toronto at the time made two great catches over the wall right where that fence separates the stands from the bullpen, right about in that area. And and you said to me, she, you said, you mean mine wasn't the best catch you ever saw? <laughs> but, I thought we were tight. I thought yeah. we were tight, right. But how, how tough is a center field to play there? Well, well, you know, you got the bullpen right behind you. You have a situation where the fans can, you know, the, the fence is only seven feet high, so you, you have a situation where the fans can reach over and grab a ball if they, if they so desire, not supposed to. But uh, how difficult did you find playing the outfield there? I, I don't look at it as being difficult at all. I, I, I love playing the outfield, and I think, you know, defense is, is one of the key things to the game. And uh, I, I honestly believe that uh, to steal a home run is, is one of the best plays in the game of baseball uh-huh. as far as highlights and as far as what it does for, for your pitching staff. And when, I, when, I, when, I, when, I, when there are fields that have these fences that are, you know, 15, 20 feet high, it takes a lot away from the game because you don't have that aspect of, of, uh, of the ability to, of the defense to shine. And so playing in Camden Yards, especially, you know, going to the center and left field, uh, to have the ability to be able to, to take a home run is, 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 is great. And Brady and I used to talk about it all the time. You know, that's what we practiced all the time. And actually some of those fans out there, uh, when Sammy Snyder used to hit us fly balls during infield, were the same fans that uh, actually got hit in the face when I caught that ball. So now, I talk to you all the time. So, I do. I do good. have. I do have one question for you. You played uh, with a guy who's going in the Hall of Fame in the middle of the summer, and that's Mike Messina. Uh, uh-huh. Number one, how happy are you for him? And number two, what was it like to play behind him? Well, it's always thrilled, and that, and, I, and I tell my wife all the time, you know, about these guys that I played with that are going into the Hall of Fame, and it, it, and, and I was a part of. Of, of of that era of playing and and it, it's, it's it's tremendous to, to to have you know played uh with guys that are uh, hall of famers and as far as mike messina i mean he was always uh on point for us in baltimore and even when he went to new york and it's great to play behind him he worked fast and he always stayed around his own we're talking with mike Devereaux, former baltimore Oriole baseball player and uh and uh, he is now a batting coach for the dayton dragons mike uh, I'm sure when you played in the game, analytics were not that uh, was not a figure or term that was used much. It's used a lot right now. How how much of a priority is working with analytical data uh, to a minor league hitting instructor today? Well, I mean, technology is technology, and and, and data is is key to to everything. And when you have information, it it now goes with how are you going to use that information. And um, you know, with analytics, um, there, there's also there, you also have to deal with the old school. Don't get me wrong, but analytics 
uh, helps in certain ways, but that's the way it is right now. That, that's the way it is. And so we have to, we have to work with that. Um, do you, I mean, do a, you embrace it and understand it, or is it something that because of your age and how long ago you played the game, is it something that you, you kind of are struggling with? No, I, I, I'm embracing it because it's part of the game, and I also understand that you can't take away the other side of it also, the old school side of it. I mean, when it comes to your mental ability and your mental, mental capacity to play this game, and, uh, and that's when I talk about um, um, being uh, uh, conscious of, of who you are and being confident. Because uh, however you look at analytics, it doesn't bring out confidence. Uh, as far as I'm facing this guy, what's he going to throw to me? Mm-hmm. How am I going to deal with what he's going to throw to me? And is, is, he, is he a better pitcher than I am a hitter? I mean, you have, you have to be strong, a strong sense in your mind in order to, uh, to play this game. You have to know that you can do it. You have to be very positive. And that's that's part of the game that will never ever end, change, no matter yeah. how much analytics you talk about. Dealing with the analytics, there's this recent uh, advent of launch angle over the last three, four years, and maybe it's been a little longer, but we, the public and the media, have just been introduced to it over the last few years. Uh, is that that change in approach to hitting? Is that perhaps the largest reason? Home runs are at such an incredible level today. Well, are, are are they at an incredible level? I'm not really sure. I know strikeouts are higher in in Major League Baseball this year. Right now, they've got 166 more home runs than they did last year at this time. Okay, now we can look at that. Then we can also look at how many more hits in general there are. Yeah, how many more strikeouts there are in general. Um, but I mean, what? what I guess there, there needs to be a definition of launch angle, okay? Is mm-hmm. launch angle the angle that the bat goes through the zone, or is launch angle the angle of the ball coming off the bat? I guess I'm talking about the attempt by hitters to put the ball in the air as opposed right. to hitting the ball on the ground, which I think a lot of teachers in the old days, they always wanted you to drive the baseball, but I don't think it was ascertained that by hitting the ball on the ground – you're increasing your chances of being out. Right. Um, I mean, I, I'm a, I've always been a line drive hitter, and, and, and I, I think I can get – people can get more hits if they have a line drive approach, mm-hmm. um, especially at the – and that, that's part of learning how to hit first. I think uh, once you get to the big leagues and you learn how to hit, you can change whatever you need to change. But I think from a young hitter's perspective, they need to learn how to hit first and not say, okay, I'm going to be a home run hitter and they haven't even, you know, grown up yet as far as getting their uh, uh, their body weight and, and their strength together. Because uh, you really no, don't know what type of hitter you're going to be until you get there. Um, but, I mean, they talk about fly ball, uh, an out is an out. Okay, like a ground ball is an out, a strikeout's an out. Um, personally, if I hit a hard ground ball hard and the shortstop picks it mm-hmm. and throws me out, yes, it's an out. But I don't. I feel good about myself. I feel good at the fact that I I did what I wanted to do. My plan worked, and I hit the ball hard, as opposed to striking out. So mentally, in my mind, I'd rather hit the ball hard and get out than try to hit a home run and strike out. I hear you. All right, Mike. We really appreciate your uh, joining us today and uh, going through some memories and and through what you're doing today. We wish you nothing but the best of luck. Thanks, guys. 
All Thank right. You really appreciate Devo, it. Devo, take it easy, you pal. Got, you got another pair of uh, Oakleys? Sun, Oakleys for <laughs> Craig Ice? I wear I wear Oakleys every day, but they don't come as easy as they used to. Oh, I bet they. You got that right. <laughs> <laughs> have you Have you tried those Under Armors that they had? They're very similar. I have not. I know uh, Vivo has one, and uh, there's a few that are out there, but I have not tried. I've 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 pretty much stuck with Oakley. All Man. right, Mike. Thank you. Appreciate All it. All right. Thank you, guys. All right. Let's uh let's talk a little bit about uh, what's going on down at the live casino hotel studios. Well, I mean, we are the live we, we, casino. We are the live. But I'm talking about what's going on down there. Howie Mandel is going to be live. There's still tickets remaining. He's going to be at the live event center at Live Casino Hotel on Friday, May the 17th. Go to livecasinohotel.com now to get your tickets. That's Howie Mandel. They're going to sell out, so grab your seats now. LiveCasinoHotel.com. One more word about the Costas Inn, Craig. Well, you can uh, great get the best crab cakes and crabs uh, in the area at the Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. Phone number 410-477-1975. How was that for a comeback? You, you did. You did. You did well. The brain is functioning now. <laughs> Monday is crab cake night. Tuesday is rib night. Wednesday, Wednesday is steak night. Yeah, that's your favorite. That's right. And, Thursday is lobster night. And that's Jane's favorite. Right. And uh, there's there's specials, at least four or five of them, throughout the menu every single day of the week. Stop by. Nick and Pete will treat you just like family. Uh, I'm an honorary Greek. I know that. So we'll go from there. All right. 4100 North Point Boulevard, the Costas Inn. May the 4th be with you at Oriole Park at Camden Yards when the Orioles take on the Tampa Bay Rays. Be one of the first 20,000 fans ages 15 and over to get a Star Wars BB-8 beanie. Special ticket packages get you the exclusive Trey Mancini and BB-8 bobblehead and access to the best pregame party in the galaxy. Come dressed up and take pictures with your favorite Star Wars characters. The new ballpark local food and brews are even more exciting than a Moss Eisley cantina. Star Wars Night at Oriole Park is May the 4th. Visit Orioles.com for tickets. Baltimore's favorite bar is just 771 feet from home plate at Camden Yards. Sliders Bar and Grill, just steps from Camden Yards, is the perfect sports bar for baseball season. Daily specials include Mexican Monday, Wing Ding Wednesday, Bloody Brunch Sunday, and more with different drink specials every day of the week. You can also book your private parties at Sliders with great spaces upstairs and on the outdoor patio overlooking Camden Yards. See every Orioles game on dozens of TVs and stop by before or after home games sliders baltimore's neighborhood sports bar see them at slidersbaltimore.com and be sure to visit sliders today one third of crash fatalities in maryland are due to impaired driving don't be a statistic be legendary what does it mean to be legendary it means always making a plan to choose a sober driver or be one never drinking then getting behind the wheel making sure to get a ride for yourself and your friends if needed always speaking up and taking the keys from an impaired driver remember sober drivers save lives. This safety message is brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation. Visit BeLegendaryMD.com Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. 
The latest edition of Press Box is available now on the cover. David Ginsburg profiles new Ravens general manager Eric DaCosta and how he's risen to this opportunity over the last two decades. Plus, Bo Smolka looks back on the career of former Ravens star Haloti Nada, including his off-the-field impact and his chances of reaching the Hall of Fame. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer here from Glenn Clark Radio. Kyle, you know, I'm regularly asked by folks about how we get so many great guests on our show. Well, I, I work really hard to get some of the biggest names on with us. I know you do, and the world recognizes it, but I want to challenge you to try to get some even bigger guests on the show moving forward. Okay, who do you have in mind? Well, nothing crazy. Like, what about Tim Tebow? Uh, or, or how about Leonardo DiCaprio or, or Lady Gaga, maybe Barack Obama? Uh, you know what? I'll settle for Wilt Chamberlain. But I think he died. What? Yeah, like 20 years ago. So that's a maybe? Maybe Java Chamberlain. Glenn Clark Radio, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. No one wants to talk to Java Chamberlain. If trying something new was a bad idea, many of us would still be wearing polyester. This message is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. You may know us for our great burgers and wings, but Glory Days Pros mix it up with the fresh cedar plank salmon, cut in-house and grilled to perfection, or sizzling and juicy steaks, meaty ribs, we have handcrafted salads and sandwiches by our talented chefs. Change tastes good, we promise. Experience the Glory Days Grill menu in all its glory. Glory Days Grill, great food. Good sports. All right, we are back on the uh, bat around for this Saturday morning, April 27th. And, uh, Mr. Heist, you're going to rush down to uh, Nats, Nats Park. Park. Yeah, I'm going to get out of here, head down to 95, hope the traffic's not that bad. And, thank you for, uh, thank game you for two, making your way in. Game two of the uh, series between the Padres and the Nationals and uh, Steven Strasburg on the hill today All right, uh, for the Nationals. We'll see if they can Big uh, game. Big yeah. game well, for the Nats. Well, it is because uh, – they don't want to come home and lose another series, and uh, they can get this one uh, knotted up at a game apiece if they can come away with a win today. All right. Drive safely. Have a good one. All right. Uh, joining us now is somebody I've gotten to know over the past uh, month or so. He w- is one of the content providers, writers, and analysts for FantasyAlarm.com, and that is Matt Zells. Matt, how are you? I am good. I'm actually looking forward to watching the Nats game today as well. Now, uh, now, what interests you about that game? Anything in particular? Well, other than I am uh, a Nats fan, along with being a Yankees fan, uh, I know it's an odd combination, uh, but I was born in the New York area. My family's all Yankees fans and grew up in D.C. and were actually season ticket holders for the Nats. Oh, okay. So, uh, and getting to watch Carter Keboom, uh, who hit a home run last night, uh, in his first major league game. So get to watch him and Fernando Tatis and, you know, there's a bunch of young blood in that game. So from a fantasy perspective, which is why we have you on, but it doubles for average baseball fans. Uh, how good a prospect is Carter Keboom? Well, coming into the season, he was ranked 
inside the top 20 by some sites and inside the top 25 by others. Uh, I have him about 16 on my rankings. Uh, not to be biased or anything, I just think he's that good. Um, he's got some pretty nice pops. He's going to hit for average. Uh, he can steal a few bags. I mean, he's playing shortstop. Let's not get him confused with Trey Turner by any means. Right. He's not anywhere close to the guy that Trey Turner is. But he is a very good baseball player who's going to hit for average, get some pop, as we saw last night. Who That home run last night, by the way, went to dead center yep. in Nats Park, which is not an easy feat to do. Um, so... You know, the, the, he'll, he'll be a pretty good guy. Where he fits in the grand scheme of things is going to be interesting to see because Trey Turner will come back this year in yep. all likelihood from the broken finger, and then they'll have to move some pieces. Uh, one of the things that was most impressive to me when I looked at his numbers yesterday to prepare for a TV show that I did on the Mid-Atlantic Sports, uh, Mid-Atlantic Sports Network um, was his walks this year. Um, 16 walks in 66 uh, at-bats, which means he actually batted 82 times, played appearances, but 16 walks. That's a that's a guy that's got a pretty good eye. Yeah, the, uh, the Nats are getting very good at having high on-base percentage guys. I mean, if you look at what Juan Soto did last year and what he continues to do mm-hmm. this year, yes, his, Soto's average is down at like the 240s, but his on-base percentage is up in, like, the 382 range. So, clearly, you know, we've got some guys that can, you know, walk. And it showed uh, last night as well because he was quite patient up there. His last T-Boom's last at-bat, he came up with bases loaded. He wound up striking out, but he did get it to almost a full count. So, uh, yeah, he's got a pretty good eye up there, which also leads to him being kind of a top-of-the-order uh-huh. type. I mean, he doesn't have the speed you like to see in a, in a leadoff guy, but he's got the eye you like to see in, like, a number two hole hitter. So let me let me scan the uh, baseball world real quick. The Boston Red Sox, uh, who have had a lot of different problems this year in the early going, but one of the biggest is it's pretty clear that Dustin Pedroia, a uh, great player when he was in his prime, is uh, injured again, and I think he's going to be put in the Red Sox rearview mirror. They bring up this power-hitting prospect third baseman, Michael Chavez, uh, who they're playing at second base currently. I would imagine long-term that Devers might go to first and uh, Chavez at third maybe next year. But can Chavez play second base, and what about his power? Uh Chavez can play second base. Uh, he's gotten a little bit of a taste of it. I think he played five games down at AAA there this year before his call-up. So that's not a lot, but he's certainly an adequate enough defensive guy at second base to keep his bat in the lineup. His power is phenomenal. He also, I believe, hit a home run in his debut um, that was just a moonshot. Um, now, some people may know Michael Chavez because he made news last year because he was suspended for 80 games for violating the PED uh, you know, rules in baseball. But when he came back, he still put up the same numbers. So clearly it wasn't the PEDs that were helping him. Clearly he's got the pop. 
necessary to, you know, stick at the major league level. That being said, he is the Red Sox top prospect, but he's their only one in the top 100 in baseball. So it's not a terribly deep system, but the guy's got a pretty good stick. And yeah, I think long term he probably profiles at third base with Devers moving to first. Right. Because the whole Mitch Moreland thing, it's going okay right now. But yeah, but a year down the road. Solution. Yeah. All right. Now, what about the guy? You say he's the only guy in the top 100. Darwin's and Hernandez, who was brought up as 26th man the other day, is he near the top 100? He's close in my book. Some others have him a little further down than I do. Uh, his biggest thing has been consistency, because if you look at his walks per nine numbers in the minors, he tends to get a little wild at times. That's really the only thing that's holding him back. Um, for those that don't know, he's a right-handed pitcher. For the Red Sox, he's got some absolutely filthy stuff. He was the talk of spring training in regards to spin rate, which is the buzzword around baseball right now. Um, everything he throws moves. Nothing he throws goes straight. And so there's some hope that he can stick in the rotation long-term. I think that's what they would like to see. But he's got a two-pitch combination that could be absolutely devastating out of the bullpen if he reduces his walks per nine. Because you don't want to have a high-leverage guy come in and walk everybody he faces. That's not that's not ideal. So he got a taste of the major leagues, I think, a little bit last year. He got called up as the 26th man the other day. He should be up probably midseason this year if he sticks on the track he's on. Is there a chance, uh, Matt Zells, that uh, they use him the way they used Jonathan Papelbon a dozen years ago or so, where he was a, a starting prospect, but the club had a need out of the bullpen? Could he end up being more like an Andrew Miller, Josh Hader type? He very well could be. Um, another guy... Now, this is going to sound crazy because we're going to mention the greatest closer of all time, but Mariano Rivera, before he became the greatest closer of all time, actually started for the Yankees in 1995, and then they moved him to the setup guy behind John Wetland, and then he became the closer, and the rest is history. Darwinon Hernandez is likely not going to become Mariano Rivera. Right. But they could take that same path, the same thing the Brewers did with Josh Hader, the same thing the... Uh, Red Sox did with uh, Andrew Miller and, you know, so on and so forth. There's a ton of starters that have two really good pitches and a third average one that don't really pan out for the back end of the pen or the back end of the rotation, and they move them to the back end of the pen. And you can get a couple of innings out of them because they have the starting stamina from being a starting prospect. So, yeah, I think they probably need a guy like that in their pen. It's been pretty good so far. But with the way their starting pitching is gone, that bullpen's going to get taxed pretty quickly. Hey, I want to so ask. They, they, go ahead. Go ahead. So they may need a guy that can come in and get like three innings. <laughs> I hear Halfway you. Halfway through the season. I, I want to ask you about a couple more players, but we're running a little late. Tell us how fans can read your stuff on Fantasy Alarm and – what some of the advantages to becoming a member there are? So you can go to fantasyalarm.com. I have an MLB prospects 
piece that comes out every Wednesday uh, that's generally chocked full of at least a dozen prospects per week uh, with breakdowns of how they're doing right now, where they pan out, their ETAs, all that good stuff. Uh, I also write for some daily fantasy stuff throughout the week. And an advantage, well, I mean, there's a ton of advantages of being a member of Fantasy Alarm. We cover 11 sports right now Mm -hmm. for season-long and daily fantasy. Uh, You can get lifetime memberships there. And we have experts on chat 12, 14, 16 hours a day. We're coming out with numerous pieces every single day across the spectrum. We cover NBA playoffs. We're covering NHL playoffs. We've got baseball in full swing. Golf. We're covering NFL draft stuff. I write about NASCAR on a weekly basis. Uh, we've well, got I, MMA. We've got a ton of stuff. Howard Bender does a fantastic job. It's fantasyalarm.com, and they uh, really are worth uh, considering joining. I know fantasy players have their uh, favorites, and I think uh, Fantasy Alarm is one of the best out there. want to ask you about a couple real quick prospects. Uh, Vlad Guerrero made his debut last night, uh, and what what do you think the high end of what he can do in a baseball season is? The high end? Ultimately, yeah. career-wise, I think Vladimir Guerrero Jr. will be better than his father. Really? I think he will be, which is high praise because his dad was a first ballot Hall of Famer. Now you, you're talking the best about best bat ball hitter I've ever seen. You're talking about a better hitter, not fielder. No, yeah, defense, no. Yeah, okay. Defense, absolutely not. Offensively, yes. So defense, is he no. is he a three fifteen to three twenty five hitter? Probably. There's no reason he can't hit over three hundred for his career. Thirty home runs a year is pretty. You know, a 30-homer, 100, 100 season is pretty well within his reach every single year. All right. How about the guy the Angels just brought up late last night, Griffin Canning? Uh, he was their top pick in 2017. Yeah, yeah. 2017, yeah, out of UCLA. He anchored a pretty good UCLA uh, rotation. And then they gave him the rest of the summer off in 2017. So... He only pitched in their minor league system last year and made it all the way to AAA last year. That's how fast he moved. And now he got off to a remarkably good start at Salt Lake City, their AAA affiliate. So, you know, ultimately, I think he's probably a number two starter as the high end. I don't think he's an ace caliber pitcher, but a number two is nothing to see yeah. that, and that team needs starting pitching yeah, they seem really like, badly. They seem like everybody they get gets hurt. Uh, yeah. One other player, uh, and it's not Kyle Tucker, but it's it's the guy that seems to have bypassed him uh, in the fast lane is uh, Jordan Alvarez. Yes. Tell me a little Outfield bit about him, Astros. Astros. Yep. Yeah, the – for some reason, they just keep dragging their feet on Kyle Tucker, and I don't know why. But Jordan Alvarez is a pretty good player in his own right. I mean, there's a reason why he's surpassed Kyle Tucker. It's not like Tucker's slumped and opened the door. Alvarez is a really good player. He's got pretty nice speed. Um, he's you know a speed-pop combination type guy. And everybody figured that the Astros would need help in their outfield this year, but Josh Reddick has gotten off to such a good start 
that it's become impossible not to take him. You know, you yeah. have to play Josh Reddick. So if he starts to slump, I think you'll see moves in their outfield. They'll call up either Jordan Alvarez or Kyle Tucker. All right. Matt Zells, many thanks for being on with us from FantasyAlarm.com. I apologize for calling you late. We somehow got off track today. A long conversation about John Havlicek uh, did us in today. But I appreciate well, your being you know, on. That guy, that guy deserves a long conversation. I understand. to ever suit up for the Celtics. No question about it. Matt, thank you very much. Always informative. Sure thing. All Have right. a good rest of your day. Okay. Matt Zells of FantasyAlarm.com. And now we're going to make our connection with uh, Bill Latson, who's been waiting patiently. Um, I don't I don't quite understand why we got off track today. I don't know. It was your little brain yeah, things. Yeah. <laughs> that costs us about three minutes, but we're like nine minutes behind on people. All right. Um, I think it was the Havlicek uh, thing. Uh, I think we... Uh, uh, joining us right now is a good friend of mine, and uh, he's MLB.com's uh, one of their lead uh, columnists on the website, and that is Bill Latson. Bill, I've got some great news for you. What's that? Craig Heiss left about nine, ten minutes ago. Oh, that's good. That's great. That's <laughs> I always like to give you the good news first. <laughs> hey, uh, this Aaron Boone is doing one heck of a job, isn't he? Piecing this thing yes. together? Yes. I mean, the way I look at it, he's got to be manager of the year because uh, they have, like, uh, the Yankees have 14 injuries. And, you know, they're only a game and a half out of first place behind the race. And, uh, to be, you know, I think it shows you, though, how great the Yankees minor league system is because uh, they've been winning basically because of their minor league system. And uh, you, you got to hand it to their front office. Yeah, I think I think uh, Brian Cashman is so far and above the competition. Uh, this Luke Vogt trade that he made last year, what, for Jason Shreve? That's correct. Boy, how did he pick uh, Mozalek's pocket out there like that? Well, yeah, I don't know. I don't think the Cardinals thought Luke Voigt was going to be that good. you got to remember who they had and who they still have. I mean, Matt Carpenter, you're not going to uh, replace uh, Matt Carpenter with Blue Boyd at that time. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I think uh, I understand why the Cardinals did it. Yeah. But uh, it was a steal. There's no question. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> Tell me, what are you hearing, and I'm asking you selfishly because my fantasy team is clinging to the wreckage right now. Uh, I got M- Miguel Andohar, uh who's one of my key players this year, and he gets hurt the third game of the season and he's been out nearly three and a half weeks. But it sounds like they have dodged a big bullet there. But do you think if he comes back, he can play at an Andujar level? Well, I think from a hitting standpoint, the answer is yes. The question is, can he, you know, can he play from a defensive standpoint? And uh, and so far, so good. But I mean, like that's that's just this is just one, uh, you know, exhibition game. Right, but you know this guy's going to have to uh, do it on a daily basis. Obviously, he's going to have to deal with uh, the pain all year long. Mm-hmm. How much tolerance of the pain can he take? That's that's going to be interesting. I mean, right now it looks like he can play, 
in a couple of weeks. But, I mean, again, uh, we have to wait and see. Could you see him playing some first base and some DHing as well as maybe twice a week at third base? Or do you think the thing to do is just throw him out there and DH him occasionally, but uh, stick him at third base and keep your fingers crossed? You know what? I can't see how he can DH because you forget about Mike Stanton. I mean, excuse me, Giancarlo Stanton. Right. Uh, I don't see how he can play first base. Uh, because you have uh, Luke Voigt. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just don't see how he can play, you know, all over, and, you know, and you know, I, and be productive. I, I got to wait and see and all that. All how, right. Well, I think I, I've compared uh, Aaron Boone to a jockey who has had, you know, you've got different horses you ride, and, you know, the, the New York Yankees, if they're all healthy – that's a pretty easy ride. You don't have to go to the whip. You don't have to hand ride them aggressively. But the Yankee team he's had the last three weeks, um, for him to have sort of maintained and even thrived a little bit, and we know the schedule helped him out a little bit, but uh, it's pretty remarkable managing, in my opinion. Oh, there's no question about it. And, uh, you know, what, what he's pulled off, I mean, it, I know some of the teams are not championship contenders. But uh, still, um, the Yankees can still win. But I think it shows you how the organization is because the organization is no excuses. We still we still have to win, and the Yankees are doing that right now. We're talking with Bill Latson of MLB.com. Bill, I'm, I talk Yankees because, first of all, I have selfish interest in finding out what you thought about Andahar. Uh, but let's talk about a couple other stories going on in the world of baseball. Clayton Kershaw is going to make his third start for the Dodgers, and kind of like uh, the Yankees are hoping Andohar can play uh, so far so good with his first two starts for the Dodgers, Clayton Kershaw. Oh, yeah. I I mean, Clayton Kershaw is a winner. You know, he finds ways to come back. And, and yes, sometimes he looks great sometimes you know looks like he you know he's not just not healthy but you know what this guy's a winner and i'm not surprised that uh he goes to the great start he had we're talking bill latson mlb.com um any any stories that are really hitting you hard early in the season i, I think that's the, the uh, Tampa bay race i think uh you know, they, they're in first place. I think no one expected them, uh, even though what they did last year, I think no one expected them to be uh, the same contenders they were last year. I think they're talking about Aaron Boone. I think their manager uh, is just as good. And, uh, and also, they have a great minor league system, too. So I think that shows you how uh, great uh, they've become. And, you know, it's thinking of a guy like Tommy Pham, Turned out to be great, and uh, you got to head to uh, you know Tampa Bay Rays. You know that trade they made with Pittsburgh. Uh, you know Neil Huntington usually he buys a lot. It gets players that uh, a team wants to unload. You know, uh, like AJ Burnett or when Jay Happ was traded to them. But that trade that they made to get Chris Archer. It really looks like they overpaid a good bit, didn't it? Yeah, it. it I mean, 
it's helped to, it's helped the Tampa Bay Rays, that's for sure. And uh, I got to tell you, though, uh, it's going to be interesting to see if Tampa can uh, keep it up. I think they will. Um, with all the other teams off to a slow start, I mean, yeah, Boston's still be behind. Uh, the Yankees are injured right now. So that's going to be a big test. I mean, the Tampa Bay Rays are playing uh, Boston this weekend. So we'll see how that goes. Yep, they play. Uh, I think they're making up uh, last night's game with a doubleheader today, I that's think. Correct. Yeah, correct. Hey, um, I'm, I'm unclear whether you, whether you covered Vlad Guerrero in Montreal did you, I did. You did have a few years of him there. Uh, what does this mean to him, uh, first and foremost, uh, to have his son make his Major League debut? And it's kind of cool that it's Canada again. Yeah, I think uh, Vladimir Guerrero Sr. is extremely happy. Um, by the way, he's the best athlete I ever covered by yeah. far. Yeah, And, uh, you know, I mean – Vlad Guerrero Jr. had the one hit yesterday. And obviously there's more to come. And obviously that's a proud dad there. And uh, I think Vlad Guerrero Jr. is going to be a great star. I mean, defensively, um, there, there are questions there. But still, um, I'm expecting him to help uh, the Blue Jays become contenders. i got to ask you a question I've never asked anybody before. But since, you, since I know now that you know Vlad Guerrero, the name Vladimir is a is a Russian name. Uh, what country is Guerrero from? He's from the Dominican Republic. So it wasn't Cuba. How did he end up with the name Vladimir? I have no idea. Okay. To be honest with you, I have no idea. Yeah. It um, it would make it, it would make sense to me if he was a Cuban, where maybe he was brought up during the time of. Uh, Russia's uh, intense involvement in Cuban uh, politics and financially and economically, but it's very strange that you got the name Vladimir. No, I, I don't know. I just know, I just covered him as the player. And I can tell you, uh, Stan, that, uh, you know, what was so weird, think about this. After every game in Montreal, in, in Montreal now I'm talking about, yeah. his uh, mother was still alive, but his son used to always come out of the uh, the family room uh -huh. to, after every game to uh, meet him and greet him all the time. I just remember how little he was. Uh -huh. I remember towards his last game in Montreal, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who was maybe like three or four at the time, gave the fans a tip of the cap. I'll never forget it. And, uh, yeah, they showed that picture this week of Vlad yeah, with his I, son tipping the both tipping the cap. Yeah, right. And I was I was there when that happened, and uh, it, it's so weird now to see Vladimir Guerrero Jr. as a baseball player now. Yeah, very very. Uh, it's it's really come full circle. I said this last night on a TV show I was on on Masson last night that despite the fact he was really in the twilight of his career my ability to have Vladimir Guerrero play for my baseball team for one year was really kind of special because I know what was left in the tank at that time and what he was capable of doing and knowing what he was like in his prime. I think, yeah, I was a Willie Mays guy, but I think this was one incredibly special athlete. Well, the reason, too, uh, I love 
of Rabia Guerrero, why I call him the best player I ever covered, was because he uh, he played the game 100%. I mean, Frank Robinson used to um, say that he used to play the game doing, doing bag practice. He played the game so hard. And I got to tell you, man, the way he ran the bases, it was as, as, it was as if he was playing his last game. And uh, I, I love the way he played the game, man. He was far and away the, the best out of the country, far and, and away. And the arm from right field, oh, it was just yeah. a, it was a cannon. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, defensively, he was uh, he was unbelievable. I, I can't believe, you know, I, when I was covering the Nationals, a lot of people used to ask me in, in, uh, in mailbags, why don't they bring back Vladimir Guerrero? Well, at the time, Vladimir Guerrero was dumb as an outfielder. He couldn't play the outfield anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, and by the time he got to his first world, uh, first world series with, with Texas, he couldn't play it. So, uh, so that was the whole deal there. We're talking to Bill Latson of MLB.com. Just a minute, minute and a half more. Bill, uh, if I were to predict right now that I think the first manager to be let go this season may very well be Davey Martinez, you think I'm right, wrong, or you don't know? Wow. Um, I would say, you know, I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, because... You know, think about why they fired Dusty Baker. Yep. They fired Dusty Baker because Dusty Baker, two things, he uh, he lost he, he lost the playoff game in mm-hmm. the first round. Number two, when they when they bragged about Dave Martinez, they claimed that he was better at analytics. Right. So yes, so yes, uh, and that was to put down to Dusty Baker. So, so yes, uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. So let me ask. So let me ask you the further, the follow-up question: If they would, if Mike Rizzo, and I don't think he'll do it easily, uh, because it makes him look a little bad, because this is the guy they chose. But if he did decide, you know, we better pull the plug on this before this season gets away from us. Who replaces him? Is it a staff guy? Is it Randy Nor? Or do they bring in somebody like a Joe Girardi from the outside? You know, uh, I, there's no chance it's Randy Nor. No chance. Okay. Um, I think, uh, you know, I know the learners loved Joe Girardi back in the day. Mm-hmm. So it would not surprise me if they did uh, offer Girardi the job. But the question is, is that would Joe Girardi take the job while being underpaid? You know, the learners have not, with the exception of Davey Johnson, the learners have not paid yep. their managers, you know, as like one of the highest paid managers. You know what I'm saying? Yep. I know so exactly that, what so you're saying. So, so that's the question I have. The question. I think Girardi, yeah, go ahead. Girardi would be a great choice because, first of all, the Nationals are not rebuilding. No, they're a team that's built to try and win right now. Yep. That's correct. So, I mean, Girardi would be a great choice. But then the question is, would they pay uh, Girardi? So would there be, that's would, the only question. Would there be a way, because I think it's a, tricky, it's a tricky road to go down, because if Joe only will do it for a certain amount of money, I don't think he'll get that money. I wonder if it could be 
built around bonuses where he would make a million and a half dollars for managing the team, but if he wins a World Series, he gets another $2 million or something like that. I, I, I don't know how the, the Lawrence would do that. I don't know. Yeah. I really don't. All right. But um, I just know that of all the managers who are out there who are mm-hmm. available, mm-hmm. I think Joe Girardi is the, the best one. All right. Bill, a um, uh, big thank you for coming on on short notice this week. You're always the best. Uh, I hope you read that email I sent you, and I'll talk to you about it this week, okay? Yeah, Stan. Listen, thanks for everything. All right. Thank you very much. Bill Latson of MLB.com. Listen up, moms and dads, all season long, kids ages 9 and under, cheer-free at Oriole Park. That's right. Visit Orioles.com slash kidsfree for details and bring your kids to cheer-free. I like world-famous chicken. You like world-famous chicken. We all like Royal Farms world-famous chicken. Why? Because Royal Farms world-famous chicken's always fresh, never frozen. Because it's hand-dipped in a secret recipe of herbs and spices. Because it's cooked on the spot, right in the store. And because it's the juiciest, best-tasting chicken on the planet. That's why everyone likes Royal Farms world-famous chicken. Western fries, too. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. Section 336 here with all your Baltimore sports talk. The Raven season is now done. But the Orioles season is just ahead. We have a new GM. We have a new manager. We have a few new baseball players out there. Reason for optimism. I don't know if you can name any of those new players. And I think we won (laughs) 40-some games last year. Yeah, but I remember a terrible year in 1988 where we were able to turn it around the very next year in 1989. Why not 2019? Yeah, why not? Why not check out Section 336 at Section336.com, Facebook, or on Twitter and iTunes as well. Just search for Section 336. The latest edition of Press Box is available now on the cover. David Ginsburg profiles new Ravens general manager Eric DaCosta and how he's risen to this opportunity over the last two decades. Plus, Bo Smolka looks back on the career of former Ravens star Haloti Nada, including his off-the-field impact and his chances of reaching the Hall of Fame. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at Press Box on The Glory Days Grill-to-Go menu is based on a simple reality. You can't spend your whole life at Glory Days Grill. Your boss wouldn't like it, and neither would your kids or your dog. So come to Glory Days and get your food to go. On your way to soccer practice, or to the office, or to, well, wherever. We know the hardest part of visiting Glory Days Grill is leaving. But at least you take a little piece of us wherever you go. Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square is very, very popular, as you've undoubtedly noticed if you've been there recently. Want to skip the lines completely? Download the Chick-fil-A app, and your food will be ready when you get there, but not a minute sooner. Your hot, fresh waffle fries, fresh, never-frozen chicken, and ice-cold drinks will be delivered to you when you get there. They'll bring it out to your car, or you can come in and get it without standing in line. Plus, ordering through the Chick-fil-A app earns you reward points that will add up 
up the free stuff. And the app remembers what you like. So if you like extra pickles, then the app remembers. If you prefer less ice in your drink, the app remembers. Anytime you customize your order, the Chick-fil-A app will file it away and remember for your next visit. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, 5198 Campbell Boulevard. If you need help downloading the app, ask the Nottingham Square store owner, Steve. Steve can do anything. Chick-fil-A, get the app, skip the lines. Back for a final uh, minute or so here on the Bat Around. Thanks to Brittany Everett, Ryan McGittigan, and uh, Craig Heist uh, for being in. And thanks to our guests, Todd Karpovich, Mike Shallon, Mike Devereaux, Matt Zells of FantasyAlarm.com, and Bill Latson of MLB.com. Real quick, Orioles send the lineup out of VR. It's short, Mancini and right, Smith and left, Nunez the DH, Ruiz at third, Joey Rickert in center, batting sixth, batting seventh, back at first base, Chris Davis, batting eighth at second base, Steve Wilkerson, and Pedro Severino bats ninth and catches for the Twins. Max Kepler is playing center field. Polanco at short, Cruz to the DH, Rosario in left field, C.J. Cron at first base, Marwin Gonzalez at third, Williams, Williams Astudio in right field, batting seventh, batting eighth, Jonathan Scope. And batting ninth, the catcher, Jason Castro. It's Dan Straley versus Jose Barrios. The game on Masson 2 at 210. Game time temperature at Target Field, 45 degrees. Chance of precipitation, just 3%. So they will get this game in. Enjoy it. Nats play at uh, 405 today. They host um, the San Diego Padres and Manny Machado. That's going to wrap us up. Don't forget... Five to six, Ken Zalis and I will be back on with um, uh, fantasy draft coverage, the recap, uh, and uh, that's Project Game Day fantasy coverage. Five to six today. Uh, We'll wrap up what the Ravens did and look at some of the winners and losers in the NFL draft, which we'll finish up today. Have a great rest of your weekend, everybody.